Yes, happy Father's Day. Yes, that was your pastor in the video. And that's what happens when your daughter and your nephew are on the creative team and wanting to do a spoof video. So I want to clarify a couple things. I do not own any of those clothes, all right? <laughs> Callie bought all of that and brought it home and said, Dad, this is what you're wearing. I said, I don't even own that. But I, I wore it for her. So that's what your daughter gets away from. So anyway, so I, I want to say it is always a great honor. The greatest honor I have in my life is being called Dad by Abram and Callie. So I just want to say it's been a pleasure being their dad. I hope you keep doing it for a while. Hope they'll keep me around. I'm going to keep them. They're not going anywhere. I can't get rid of them. So I guess I might as well just be their dad at home for the next several years. So anyway, I just want to say to the church, it's, I'm grateful to belong to a church that is full of great dads. I mean, some of the, some of the heroes of dad world is in this room right now and watching online. And I just want to say thank you, dads and granddads, for the way you've served your family, the way you provide for your family, the way you've been the spiritual guide for your family, for the way you've sacrificed for your family. Can we just honor the dads in the room today for the work that you've done? I, am, uh, I really am convinced that most of the ills of our world could be solved by good fatherhood. And I just want to say thank you for being present in your home, being present with your families, because you're doing more to change the world than you can possibly imagine. Even when you're mowing the yard in blue jean shorts and white socks and New Balance shoes, you're changing the world, right? All right, turn in your Bible right now to the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk today about a topic that can change the world, that should change the world. And I believe if we embrace the idea of generosity, that this is one of the ways that the Lord has positioned us and equipped us to actually go into a dark world and make supernatural change. Now, most people, when they think about generosity, they think about, well, he's going to talk about the giving of our money. That's not all about generosity. Generosity is more than just uh, money and resources and finances. Generosity plays into everything we do. Generosity plays into, into our words, our actions, our deeds, our attitudes, our behaviors, in fact, every part of our life should be marked by generosity. Because once you know this God who sent his son, once you discover God, the creator of the universe, the generous God in his generous nature, pouring out generous amounts of grace into our lives, the response, the only response that we can have as his people is to be Generous. So I want to talk to you today about what it means to live generously. Last week I talked about greed. This week I'm talking about generosity. And let me just clarify, I had a really good question last week from a young businessman in our church. He said, Pastor Brady, I'm a young businessman. I'm trying to grow my business. Is it wrong for me to want my business to grow? Is it wrong for me to want to expand, to grow, to be prosperous? And I said, absolutely not. I said, it is, it is not wrong. In fact, the Bible encourages holy, healthy ambition. The Bible encourages us to take, take, uh, take the land, to be prosperous, to, to multiply what God has put into our hands. In fact, Jesus commended the servant that took a little bit of talent and multiplied it. So there is nothing wrong in the Bible with being successful. There's nothing wrong in the Bible with having healthy ambitions for your family, for your business, and for the opportunities that the Lord puts in your, in your way. Here's what the Bible condemns. The Bible condemns selfish ambition and greed. So therefore, the question I would have back, the question I pose back to the young leader is, why do you want your business to grow? That's the better question, not if should my business grow. 
Why do you want it to grow? If you want your business to grow, your money to grow, your things to grow in your life so you can give them away, that's the, that's the thing that the Lord blesses. The Lord blesses people who are willing to receive and are willing to give it away. That is the, the, the river, not the reservoir. That's what God blesses. So Proverbs chapter 11, let's read this together. It says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. In other words, the more he gives, the more he has. Another withholds unduly. In other words, has a clenched fist, holds on to everything, thinking that he's going to keep themselves from poverty. Listen to this. The person that holds on to something thinking that's going to keep them from poverty actually ends up impoverished. That's what that proverb says. He says a generous man, though, a generous man, a generous woman, a generous family, they will prosper. Now, there are times in the Bible where you have to stop and ask yourself, is that a promise or not? And that is a promise. That is an absolute of the scriptures. In other words, God in his immutable nature will not change from that. That is a guarantee that if you will be generous, you will prosper. I'm not talking about money always. I'm talking about every part of your life feeling blessed. And I love this next part. He who refreshes others will also be refreshed. I don't know about you, but I need refreshing. I want refreshing. I want the wind of the Spirit blowing through my life. And one of the ways that Pam and I have discovered to have the wind of the Spirit blow through our life, to feel the refreshing presence of God, is to make sure that our home, our family, our marriage is always marked by generosity. Let me just say, I'm, I'm turning 54 years old. I'm actually, I've already turned 54. And I know that's shocking to many of you because you thought I was much younger and I appreciate that. It's drink a lot of water, that's the key. Clean living, I promise you. But at 54, I know that I'm at a place in my life where I have to continue to make sure that my heart is generous because all of us must learn to be generous. You, you're not generous by nature, we all have to learn to be generous. And so I'm relearning, I'm always reevaluating myself about generosity. So let me just say, here's four things I wanna show you today about this passage of scripture. Four things that the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom that's given to us, teaches us. Number one is generous people are compassionate. There is something about generosity that requires you to love People. In fact, if you don't love people, you won't be generous. Listen to verse 25 of Proverbs 11. He who refreshes others will also be refreshed. In other words, if your focus is on yourself, you're not going to be refreshed. But when your focus is on other people, this is when you will feel refreshed. Your compassion. So listen to verse 22, Proverbs 22, verse 9. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he who shares his food with the poor. I, I, I've learned that most of us, the reason we're not generous is because we really just don't care. Most of us don't care, really, or not, we don't have the empathy and the concern for the people around us, and that's robbing us of generosity. But when I, I'm around people that are deeply compassionate, when I'm around people that cry and weep over the needs of others, when I'm around those people whose hearts are stirred by the brokenness in their own city. When I'm around that kind of people, I discover a generous people. Generosity will always follow your compassion. 
Generosity will always spill out of your broken heart. When you see the widow and the orphan in, in, in trouble, when you see those people pushed to the margins, when you discover a group of people that you can help, when you are moved, when you cry, when your heart is broken, out of that broken heart will spill out extravagant generosity. This is the kind of people that I want to be around. This is the kind of man that I want to become. This is the kind of people that I want my children to grow up becoming. People that look for opportunities to be generous. And you'll never be generous until we learn to really love people. I want to remind you that we have two great commandments in the Bible. The first commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the great commandment. And then it leads us to the great commission. And the great commission is to go into all of the world, to find yourself in vulnerable places, to venture out past your comfort zone, to go to a group of people unlike yourself, and to preach the gospel, to baptize them in Jesus' name, and to teach them everything Jesus has already taught you. Great commandment people always become great commission people. When you love your neighbor as yourself, you will always be compelled to go and give the generous good news of grace and forgiveness. And this is the way the gospel has permeated the world for the last 200 people. Generous people who are broken by the, the world that they see go and take the good news of the Great Commission all over the world. The reason today that we have hospitals and schools and orphanages and nursing homes around the world is because God's people caught this generous nature. They, they realized that God's generous nature toward broken people compels them to make a difference. In other words, be rich in good deeds. Generous people are always compassionate. Here's the second thing. Generous people... Always give more than enough. One of the most extravagant stories in all the Bible is John chapter 12. A woman named Mary whose life was a mess. When Jesus found Mary, she was uh, broken. She was messy. She was an outcast in her own, own city. Nobody respected her. Nobody honored her. But when she found Jesus, she found compassion. Jesus showed her compassion. Jesus showed her grace. And it was coming time for Jesus to go to the cross. And Jesus had told his disciples, I'm going back to Jerusalem. I will be crucified, but don't lose hope because on the third day, I'm coming out of the grave. And on one special night, they're all together. I can see Jesus with a, a group of close friends. And Mary walks in with a $60,000 bottle of perfume. I'm not talking about the cologne you bought last night at Walgreens for your dad. I'm talking... <laughs> which I've gotten that over the years, and it's still there. You know, when you put that on, it's gone in like three minutes. You can't smell it after three minutes. Thank God. And that's his blessing, quite honestly. <laughs> but look at this story. Now, the reason I say $60,000 is because it was about one year's wages. So it gives us an American context. The average American house makes about $60,000. So thinking about spending $60,000 on a bottle of perfume. Now, listen to this. Mary comes in, John chapter 12. Mary took about a pint of pure Nard. Now, I want to stop here for a moment and point out that I would never buy anything called nard. This is really bad marketing. I don't care if it's pure nard or not. I, it could be 90% nard to me. I still am not going to buy anything that's called nard. Terrible marketing. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and then wiped his feet with her hair. 
So what did her hair smell like? This is not a trick question. Her hair smells like nard. Jesus smells like nard. Who in this story had been the recipient of extravagant grace in their lives? Mary. Mary, in response to receiving extravagant grace, does something extravagant to Jesus. Now, we don't know the exact hours or time between this particular moment and, and when Jesus would go to the cross, but keep that in mind that it's very, very close. It's very, very close. And she poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This is really potent stuff. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, hey, hey, what are you doing? That's $60,000 you're pouring out on Jesus. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth about a year's wages. Now, stop here for a moment before you pick on Judas. Most of us in this room would have had the same reaction. That's a waste. What are you wasting this on? Why are you wasting so much money in a, in a trivial act? Jesus doesn't need perfume poured all over him. He needs to be saved from the cross. He needs to be saved from a mob. But Judas, it says, he said he didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He, he, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. In fact, what he wanted to do was go sell the nerd, take the 60 grand, put it in his own pocket. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Would you mark that in your mind just for a moment? You'll always have the poor among you, but you'll not always have me. Now, I am, I'm going to give you my opinion here, okay? Now, I'm, not, I'm stretching the scriptures a bit here. I don't normally do this, but when I do, I'll tell you, okay? I believe that when that nard was poured on Jesus, Jesus, from the time of his crucifixion outside the city gates to the time he was put in a borrowed tomb owned by Joseph, the time between his death and burial was not enough time for him to go through the proper Jewish burial rites of the time. I believe Mary was preparing his body for death. And this was, this was her way of saying, I know you're headed to the place of the dead. I want to prepare your body with this perfume. In fact, I believe, again, my opinion, I believe that when Jesus is on the cross, and note who was in front of the cross, who, who was the only one that did not abandon Jesus at the cross? It was a group of women, one of which was Mary. I believe, in my opinion, that Mary smelled the perfume, Jesus smelled like some of the perfume, and Mary was reminded of the generosity of Jesus, and Jesus was reminded of the grace that he had poured out on her. And this is why generosity ends up on the cross. The whole cross was a generous gesture to a broken world, and that perfume reminded Mary that a generous God had sent a generous son to pay a generous debt for a people that had lost their way. That perfume was a reminder to Mary that she had discovered extravagant generosity. Now, when I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I grew up in North Louisiana on Marshall Highway, five and a half miles out of Logansport, Louisiana, in a little red house that my mom and dad built by hand and painted red for some reason. I don't know why, but it was bright red, like burn your cornea red, okay? That's how red my house was. 
So my parents had this red house, 1,200 square feet, three bedrooms, one bath, tiny kitchen, tiny living area. But across the street was my Uncle Red and Aunt Sybil. Now we called him Uncle Red because he had red hair. His real name was Willard. So Willard and Sybil, my aunt and uncle, my dad's brother and her, my sister-in-law, her sister-in-law, lived across the street from us. Today, if I were to get all the women in my family, on both sides of my family, if I were to get all the women and men together and sat them down and said, who in the history of our family was hands down the best cook in the Boyd house, all of them would say, Aunt Sybil. Now, I lived across the street from Aunt Sybil. I, was, I lived across from the time I was born until I was about 10 or 11 years old. The first 10 or 11 years of my life, she was across the street. The best cook in that place. Now, if you're from the South, any Southern people in the room? Okay, like six of us, good, thank God. All right, the, the, the question you get when you walk into a traditional Southern home, the wife usually comes to the door and asks you a question. Do you know the question? Are you hungry? Because everything in the South is built around food. I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was because everything I ate growing up was comfort food, everything. So I'm gonna do a little poll here and see if you've ever had this kind of Southern food that my Aunt Sybil could make. How many of you ever had chicken and dumplings? Like, okay, you can say you can talk here, so I wanna hear voices, not hands. I can't count, okay, I just wanna hear voices. How many of you have had chicken, not, not from Cracker Barrel, okay, that doesn't count. I'm talking about homemade chicken and dumplings. Say man, if you've had them, all right? How many of you have had purple hull peas? You know what those are? How many of you have had hot water cornbread? I'm not talking about the cornbread you put sugar in. You don't put sugar in cornbread. That means you're a Yankee. You're not from the South, all right? That's a dead giveaway. All right, so when I would go over there, my Aunt Sybil, the first question she would ask me is, are you hungry? And of course, when you're six, seven, eight, nine years old, the answer is always, yeah. And when the best cook in the land is across the street, here's what would happen. I would sit, I could see this little green uh, table that she would have in her kitchen. I would sit there and magically, somehow, something would appear on that table like it was just come off the stove. And she would put the plate in front of me and heap it up full, no matter, 10 a.m., 2 p.m., 10 it didn't matter what time of day, there was food always available. And she would pile it on. And then she would do this. Add, she would always add another spoonful. Because she was determined I would not starve to death under her watch. And that's, that's the way I grew up. And this is what happens for, gen that's where I, this is where I learned generosity. This is where I learned hospitality, at the kitchen table of my Aunt Sybil. And listen to what happens. Generous people, when they see a need, when they see an opportunity to bless, they give more than enough to meet the need. They don't just, just give enough. There's always another spoonful. Generous people always add one more spoonful. Generous people like my Aunt Sybil always added just a little bit more. And this is what we want to become as another spoonful people. We want to be a people that are generous with the outpouring of the perfume. We want to be generous, extravagant, when we have it in our hands to bless people. The answer is always yes. How much do you need? This is how much I'm going to give you and another spoonful. This is what generosity means, not just meeting the need. It's meeting the need with one more spoonful. Here's the third thing that most people don't realize about generosity is that it's 
is actually rewarded in heaven. There's a reward waiting in heaven for generous people. Let me show you this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. In other words, it's not a problem being rich. It's a blessing to be rich. It's, it's, it, see it as a blessing, but don't be arrogant about it or put your hope in it because that hope is very uncertain. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment and command them, listen to the command here, command them to do good. In other words, if you have large amounts of resources in your hands, this is the command from the Lord. Do good with it. Find something to do good with it. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous, willing to share. And it says, if you will pay attention to that command, listen to this, I love this passage. In this same way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold, and I love this line, I read this line to myself all the time, that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, right now, when the last year and a half has been a time of testing for us. I don't think the church has been persecuted in the last year and a half, quite honestly, not in America. But I think we've been tested. I think we've been pressured. I think we've been challenged. And I think it, it, what happened in the last year and a half is, is revealed to us what we're holding on to, where we have put our hope. For those of us who have learned this attitude of generosity, last year was a joy in some ways because we saw needs all around us. And for people who are generous, people who love to give, last year was fun because it gave us an opportunity to really bless people. To really be generous. And by the way, I want to brag on the church. We gave away 80,000 pounds of food in just a few short months at New Life Church. And that's because you brought bags of food and put them in that, that little bin outside. All of that food was given away to our city. I just want to say thank you for 80,000 pounds of food. And that was one of, the, one of the things that we did as a church. This is a generous place. This is a generous people. But here's what this passage of Scripture is teaching us. I don't think heaven is poor and needs our treasure, by the way. He, Jesus is, Paul was not saying, hey, send your treasure to heaven because they're bankrupt. That's not what he was saying. Paul was saying, will you give and be generous even if no one notices? I mean, if, it didn't, if you don't put it on Instagram, did it really happen? I mean, we live, we live in an age where we need instant affirmation. We need constant affirmation. We need likes. We need hearts. We need, we need affirmation to motivate us. And what Paul is saying in the Instagram world of 2021, can you be generous in private, in quiet, knowing that God sees you and will reward you in due time and in due season? Can you, here's the question, can we be anonymous in our generosity? Knowing that in future days, and in future times, in future places, God has noticed, God has recorded it, and God will reward it. This is what the power of generosity, the power of generosity is I am going to trust God that he sees me, that he notices, and that is enough. Is it enough if only God knows what you did? Yes, it's enough. 
I don't have to have a claim. I don't have to have, and this is why Pam and I don't talk about everything that goes on in our lives. I don't tell you every detail of every story because honestly, it is actually more rewarding for Pam and I to be generous in private than it is to be generous in public. And we have discovered it. We high-five each other. We, we are excited with each other. We, we celebrate as a couple, and it puts, we feel the refreshing of God, and it's completely anonymous. It's completely out of the spotlight. But here's the good news. I got good news for you for right now. Generous people are actually rewarded right now, too. Not only are you going to be rewarded in a future day, but you're rewarded right now. Let me tell you how you're rewarded. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. The person who is generous looks up and they had more than they just gave away. In other words, what you give away comes back to you. It's an amazing kingdom principle that whatever you give away, it comes back. It comes back. The more you give, the more it comes back. You just can't outgive God in any respect of your life. No matter what you're doing, you can't outgive him. But another withholds, holds on to it, clenches his fist, and they come to poverty. I, I, uh, I, I know you can't tell this, but I, I ride bikes, and uh, I, I eat a lot, too. This is the problem. This is what you're seeing. What you're seeing on the stage today is a result of a lot of eating and a lot of exercise, all right? So if I could ever get those two things balanced out, it would really be good. But I, last summer, I bought a bike, and I bought an e-bike, one, one of those bikes with a battery, and it's the greatest thing I've ever bought in my life. Besides the self-propelled lawnmower that you saw in the ad, in the, the video, the next greatest thing that I've ever bought myself is the e-bike. And I'll tell you why. Because I want to ride my bike, I want to work out, but I live at 6,500 feet. And I've had three heart surgeries, so oxygen is a problem. Now, I'm blaming it on three heart surgeries, but it's actually the biscuits and all the other things, right? Now, what I, I like the idea of mountain biking. I like the idea of it. I love watching the ads. I like seeing people go up hills. I just can't do it. But this e-bike has changed my life because you can pedal until you get tired and there's this magic button on the side. Right here, it's a little magic button. You hit it and it's like three large men behind you pushing the bike. This is the way it feels like suddenly, I actually looked around a couple of times like, who's behind me? Because suddenly the bike gets this miraculous surge of energy and your little legs are pedaling as hard as they can and suddenly there's a burst and you're up the hill. Now, I'm not talking about Pikes Peak. I'm talking about hills in my neighborhood, okay? <laughs> I'm not a hero here, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I can pedal up hills now if I hit the magic button. <laughs> Last night, I'm out for a ride. There's a place where it goes up the hill. I pedaled as hard as I could to get halfway up, hit the magic button, I'm at the top. <laughs> See, this is what generosity does for me. See, some of you have been climbing the hill without being generous. Some of you have been trying to walk through life by holding on tightly to stuff. And what generosity does is it pushes you up the hill. There is, there is joy and goodness and grace. There's, there's a refreshing that comes to your life when you discover generosity. It's that electric bike you're pushing, you're working, you're, you're earning all that money, you're doing good work, you're, you're taking care of your family, but you find yourself hitting the wall. You can't go any further. And the reason you've lost your joy and your passion and your zeal is because you've, dis you've lost the idea of generosity. When you begin to be generous to other people, there is something that surges through your life that'll push you over the top. It makes life fun. It makes life joyful. 
Psalm 46 is a psalm most of you know. There's one particular passage. I hear people putting this on social media all the time. Be still and know that I'm God. Psalm 46, be still. All of you know this. If you've been in church more than six months, you know this passage of Scripture. But do you know what the real Hebrew translation is here? Is, is, it, does it mean sitting in a room in a dark place and waiting for God to show up? Partly. But actually, what this particular passage is talking about is releasing your grasp, unclenching your fist, letting God take over. Be still. Stop striving. Stop, stop working yourself into a frenzy. Stop and open up your hands and let God take what's in your hands and he will multiply it. That's what this passage means, to release your grasp, to unclench your fist. Here, here's what I want you to remember today. Generosity is an invitation from the Lord to release our grip on worthless things and to take hold of a life that's truly life. Oftentimes, when I'm in worship, I turn my hands like this. Maybe you didn't grow up in church where you raise your hands, but this is I did. And I've learned a long time ago that the Bible, there's a reason why the scriptures tell us to lift our hands. And one of the reasons that the Bible teaches us to lift our hands is I open my palms and I quote Psalm 46. Father, I unclench my fist today. I open my hands to you today. I give to you what all of me belongs to you. All of me. Everything that I am, everything that I have, I am but a steward of it. Lord, I give it to you. I surrender it. And what happens is, he begins to give something back to me that I can't get on my own. The peace of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord, the grace of the Lord. And out of that, out of that, generosity flows out of our lives. Would you stand with me today? And we're going to do something this morning. We're actually going to go back into that song, The Blessing. And we're just going to sing a, we're just going to sing a part of it this morning. But I was, as I was listening to that song today, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Make his face shine upon you. He is with you. He is for you. This is God yelling at us. I am a generous God. I am a generous God looking for a generous people that I can pour my generosity out upon. This morning, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Maybe you're here today and you've never really lifted your hands in church. I promise you, this is a safe place to begin. We just turn your hands, if that's you today, and maybe you've been holding on. Maybe you've been clenching something. Maybe, you've been, maybe your grip is on something that the Lord wants you to release today. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? Here's a question I want to ask this morning. What's robbing you of rest? What's robbing you of sleep? Maybe this morning is the invitation from the Lord to unclench your fist a bit. Be still and know that I'm God. Father in heaven, I come to you today as your son. I am but your son who you found and adopted and brought me into your family. And you gave me grace and forgiveness that I could not earn. And you gave me grace and forgiveness that I could not, but I couldn't earn it. I can't give it to myself. All I could do is receive it. So I come now and receive it. Not because I deserve it. Not because I've earned it. Because you've given it to me as a gift. And I believe today you are a good God who loves his people. And if we would but turn our eyes towards you, if we would just lift our hearts towards you, if we would open our hearts to you, you would come 
and you would adopt us and fill us with your spirit. So now, Lord, we come back into your presence only to discover that you're not a God who has walked away from us. You're a God who is running toward us. You're not a God who is against us. You're a God who is for us. You're a God that does not withhold his blessings. You're a God that pours out his blessings. So, Father, today we lift our hands and we receive this blessing today. Come, Holy Spirit, into this room. And Lord, I pray that every person in this room and everyone watching online would come right now in the next few minutes. This is my prayer. It's a bold prayer. In the next few minutes, I pray that every person in this room would come face to face with a generous God. Let's sing this song together. Let it be a prayer. Let it be an anthem of your heart. And in just a few minutes, Pastor Tim's going to come and lead us to the Lord's table. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his presence go before you and behind
church, you can go ahead and grab your communion elements and open them up. You know, one of my, my favorite truths about the gospel is that uh, Jesus never invites us to do anything that he's not willing to first do himself. And when you talk about uh, this topic of generosity, and we hear those resounding words from arguably one of the most famous Bible verses of all time, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave. And in fact, the character and nature of our Father is not one with clenched fists and not one to withhold. <laughs> but a God who pours himself out for the sake of his people knowing how much he loves them. And so we come to the table of the Lord and, and we find these gifts for those who follow Jesus. That in fact, God is giving us a new way to see life and to live life. And that's open-handed. And so on the night that he was betrayed, he, he took the bread and he broke it. And he looked at his followers and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. A body broken for you. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be the greatest display generosity of all time in the laying down of my life for you. So every time you do this as my followers, you take this bread and you break it and you partake do it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, let's take the bread. And likewise he took the cup and he said this cup is the new covenant poured out in my blood. I'm making a new way for you so that you would know that my faithfulness is not contingent upon you and what you've done. It'll be contingent upon me and what I've done. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Brothers and sisters, let's take the cup. And if you can, could you just begin to lift up your voices one more time as... You give a song to thanksgiving to this God who generously gives all things to us. Come on. Thank you, God. say let it be Lord we thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ we thank you that we have now the freedom to live as generous people because we are products of a generous God we glorify you 
We thank you. We praise you. And if you can agree with that church this morning, can you lift one more shout of praise to our Father? Come on. Hey, just a couple things before you go. I want to go ahead and invite our altar ministry team down uh, if you would like some prayer today. If it's your very first time with us, we are so happy that you came on Father's Day. We would love to meet you and connect with you at Connect Central right outside these doors. Um, as uh, Pastor Brady said, I forgot if you mentioned it or not, we have a gift for you fathers. Uh, Pastor Brady's book outside um, in the bookstore right out here. And then finally, Kids Camp is this week. Uh, which is super exciting. So if you have any kids, five through fifth grade, we would love uh, to have them. But other than that, I would love to invite you to pray with us this week. So brothers and sisters, as you go from here, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift his bright smiling countenance towards you and grant you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Go in God's grace, mercy, and peace be with you.